0: Hello and welcome to another episode of Heavenward Thinking. We're on our show from the beginning and we're continuing on in our study in Genesis. Today we're talking about the Tower of Babel. We talked last week about how the nations came through Noah and his descendants. And today we're gonna talk about how they spread throughout the earth. How God had to come down, confuse mankind's languages so that they would do what he told them to do, which was to increase and to fill the world, not just stay in one spot and not to make a name for themselves. So we're gonna read the first uh, nine verses in chapter 11 of Genesis, and we're going to talk about that, and then we'll see if we can continue on talking about uh, Shem's descendants and the descendants that come uh, after uh, the Tower of Babel. So we'll talk about that later, but for now, starting in verse 1, we'll talk about the Tower of Babel. Now the whole earth had one language and the same words, and as people migrated from the east, they found a plain in the land of Shinar and settled there. And they said to one another, Come, let us make bricks and burn them thoroughly. And they had brick for stone and bitumen for mortar. Then they said, Come, let us build ourselves a city and a tower with its top in the heavens, and let us make a name for ourselves, lest we be dispersed over the face of the whole earth. And the Lord came down to see the city and the tower, which the children of man had built. And the Lord said, Behold, they are one people, and they have all one language, and this is only the beginning of what they will do. And nothing that they propose to do will now be impossible for them. Come, let us go down and there confuse their language, so that they may not understand one another's speech. So the Lord dispersed them from there over the face of all the earth, and they left off building the city. Therefore, its name was called Babel, because there the Lord confused the language of all the earth. And from there the Lord dispersed them over the face of the earth. So we see here a short story, but a very important story for multiple reasons. Uh, for one, it shows us uh, the importance of following God's commands, the importance of making sure that we give him the glory in what we're doing and not make a name for ourselves. Uh, that was a dangerous thing that mankind decided to do something to make a name for themselves and to uh, stand in disobedience to God and his command. Instead of doing what he said to fill the earth, they decided to make a tower, make a great city, uh, with a, uh, with the tower reaching to the heavens and make a name for themselves so that they wouldn't be dispersed over the face of the whole earth. They were in direct defiance, as scripture is showing here. They were in direct defiance of God. And, and it gives us a warning. We should not be in defiance of God. We need to make sure that we're living in accordance with God's word, in accordance with God's law, in accordance with what God tells us to do, what his Holy Spirit leads us to do in our day-to-day lives. We need to make sure that we're living our lives for God and for his name, not to make a name for ourselves. Even as Christians, we're faced with this uh, this tough temptation to make a name for ourselves. We can do all kinds of amazing ministries and do all kinds of charity. We can help people well. We can praise God. We can do all these amazing things. But if we're just doing it to make a name for ourselves, then at the end of the day, we're doing it wrong. We're not doing it for the right reasons. We're not doing it the way God wants us to. God wants us to do everything we do to glorify him. We're supposed to do the good deeds that we do so that we can point to God, so that when others see our deeds, they see and they glorify our Father in heaven, as Matthew 5 talks about. It's not so that we can just do good things, good works, good ministry. It doesn't, it's not about doing all those things. It's about pointing to God with our good works, pointing to God with our life, making sure that He gets the glory, not us. Because if we're just doing things for our glory, then we are off track. We're not following christianity we're not following uh, the path laid out in scripture and this is the problem here that in genesis chapter 11 people were doing things for themselves selfishly in sin they were doing something directly against god and and i'm challenged myself uh how often we fail to do what god has called us to do how often we stand in direct defiance of god we say no i don't want to do what you've called me to do god i'm going to do my own thing I'm going to do something for me, for me, and really that's selfishness, and that's something that we all struggle with, Uh, whether we're a Christian or not a Christian. We struggle with selfishness. We struggle with sin and temptation to do things, to make a name for us instead of God, And, and here we need to really be challenged by this passage that we need to do things for God, for God's glory, not for our own glory. Another thing that stands out in this uh, passage is it shows us uh, the creation of all kinds of different languages and the dispersion of people throughout the world. And and what it does is is a few key things. First, we know where all the languages originated from here at the Tower of Babel. And and sure, languages have changed and developed over time, uh, but we see here the origination of different languages up to this point uh, in Scripture all the world spoke the same language. Imagine the kind of things that could get done in a world where we all spoke the same language. We all could communicate uh, more or less perfectly in that way with people, where we didn't have confusion and different translations and different uh, interpreters and all those things uh, that we even struggle with today, even though we have Google Translate and all kinds of things like that. We still struggle with communication. So uh, we see here that God came down and said... Uh, Come, let us go down and confuse their language so that they may not understand one another's speech. Uh, because earlier he says, Behold, they are one people and they all have one language and this is only the beginning of what they do and nothing that they propose to do will now be impossible for them. It shows us that uh, mankind was doing something against God's will. Mankind wasn't spreading around around the world. They weren't fulfilling what God wanted them to do, and they were united as one in opposition to the command God had given them. And, and so that it was a dangerous thing. So God took care of the problem and dispersed them by giving the origination of different languages and different people groups and spread throughout the world. That's how we have different ethnic well, ethnicities, ethnic groups. It's how we have different languages, and different cultures, all because of the Tower of Babel and can be traced back there. So uh, the secular world would like us to believe that we evolved from uh, monkeys, we evolved from apes, we evolved from blobs. We we just came out, out of nowhere uh, through a process of evolution and blind chance. But we saw in Genesis at the at creation that we were created directly by God in the image of God. And then we see here in this chapter the origination of different cultures. We didn't just evolve and form different uh, cultures uh, throughout the world. No, God spread mankind throughout the world here at the Tower of Babel because they were united as one in defiance of God's command. And they were doing something for themselves. God didn't like that. God did not want that to happen. It was against what he wanted. So he came down, took care of that. And that's where we get the origination of different cultures, not because of uh, evolutionary processes or all those kind of things. Uh, But another thing that stands out here is that we were all one. All of us came from Adam and Eve. All of us are made in the image of God, descendants of Adam and Eve. Then all of us also came through Noah and his descendants, as we saw the uh, story of the ark and the flood. How the whole world was destroyed except for Noah and his family and his sons. And that's important because we all come through them. Therefore, we're all one people. There's not different human races. There's there's not. We live in a culture where people are trying to pit uh, white people versus african-american people and we have all this racism stuff going on there's people who have all these racist attitudes and they are against people simply because of the color of their skin but when we really look at scripture what does it say it gets rid of racism in general it should be this the solution of racism should be found in scripture because it directly shows us that we are all one people that we are all created in the image of god no one is any better no one's any less sacred in the sight of god because of bearing the image of God. And we all came from one people. We didn't have uh, different human races where there's only one human race. We just have different colors and different shades of skin, uh, uh, different shades of, that come from uh, the melanin pigment, pigment that uh, Answers in Genesis has great articles on. If you would like to read those, you can find them on their websites. It's really important that we understand here at the Tower of Babel, it shows us that there should be no racism. There should be no people hating other people because they are a different race, because there aren't different races. There are different colors and shades of skin, but there's only one race, the human race made in the image of God. So it's important that we treat, treat every person with dignity and, and see their lives as being sacred is being valuable in the sight of God. We shouldn't ever look down on anyone, regardless of the color of skin, regardless of what they do. We shouldn't ever be looking down at people. We should be pointing them to Jesus. We should be loving people, no matter of any kind of prejudices that we may have we need to get rid of those and make sure that we're looking at people not for the outward appearances but looking at their heart looking at the fact that they were made in the image of God and when I look at someone regardless of what I see on the outside I should be able to see their heart and their value as human beings made in the image of God made uniquely created by God to be set apart from the rest of creation set apart for a specific purpose, each one of us. So we need to remember to treat people with respect, to value other people, and to not look at skin colors as race. No, we need to make sure that we remember there's one human race, one human race that was plunged into sin in the Garden of Eden, and one human race that Jesus came to die for on a cross. And throughout the New Testament, that relates very well to this story, we see again and again that The apostle Paul and other writers of scripture, they're again and again reminding us that there is no, neither Jew nor Gentile, neither slave nor free. Uh, There's no need to look at people with all these distinctions and to treat people differently because of any outward appearances or any kind of ethnicity or anything like that. Instead, we need to look at people as made in the image of God. We need to look at our brothers and sisters in Christ as our brothers and sisters, as those who are in the body of Christ, the fellowship of believers. So that's an important point here in uh, the Tower of Babel story. And many other biblical scholars go into great detail and you can find all sorts of amazing uh, facts about humanity and our whole whole concepts of languages and ethnicities and how we spread throughout the world, all that kind of stuff. They have whole books on it, and I would encourage you to go check them out. You can find them online through Answers in Genesis or other websites. Uh, You can find all sorts of resources that talk about the Tower of Babel, but here we're just trying to give you a brief snapshot of this passage and and its significance to us and how it relates to us and how it can apply to our own lives, because that's what we're trying to do here from the beginning. We're trying to look through Scripture, find what's important, what's our foundation what is our foundation in Christianity? And that is what is found in Scripture. So we're going throughout Scripture. I hope you've been enjoying our ride. We're going to continue to go throughout Scripture, tackle passage after passage, see how we can apply it to our lives, see how the Holy Spirit's going to challenge us and work in us, and have some serious conversations on these difficult topics, because these are very difficult topics that we've talked about already in the first 11 chapters of Genesis, and we're going to continue to move forward as we go throughout it and see what the Lord is teaching us through His Word. So I'm going to read the last part of this chapter and wrap it up and then next week will be on Genesis chapter 12. So in verse 10, these are the generations of Shem. When Shem was 100 years old, he fathered Arpachshad 2 years after the flood, and Shem lived after he fathered Arpachshad 500 years and had other sons and daughters. When Arpachshad had lived 35 years, he fathered Shelah, and Arpachshad lived after he fathered Shelah 403 years and had other sons and daughters. When Shelah lived 30 years, he fathered Eber, and Shella lived after he fathered Eber 403 years and had other sons and daughters. When Eber had lived 34 years, he fathered Peleg, and Eber lived after he fathered Peleg 430 years and had other sons and daughters. When Peleg had lived 30 years, he fathered Ru, and Peleg lived after he fathered Ru 209 years and had other sons and daughters. When Ru had lived 32 years, he fathered Surag, and Ru lived after he fathered Surag 207 years and had other sons and daughters. When Surag had lived 30 years, he fathered Nahor. And Surag lived after he fathered Nahor 200 years and had other sons and daughters. When Nahor had lived 29 years, he fathered Terah. And Nahor lived after he fathered Terah 119 years and had other sons and daughters. When Terah had lived 70 years, he fathered Abram, Nahor, and Haran. Now these are the generations of Terah. Terah fathered Abram, Nahor, and Haran. And Haran fathered Lot. The days of Terah were 205 years and Terah died in Haran." So we see here, after uh, the account of the flood, and after the uh, Tower of Babel account, we get another account of descendants, and we get another genealogy record, and we start to see some different things here. One, we start to see mankind uh, starting to live less. First, uh, in our first genealogies, we have people living 900 years, and here we start to see it shrinking from 400, 500 years down to 200 years, uh, and we start to see that mankind's days are numbered. Uh, as we saw, God announced at the beginning of the flood account that he was going to put a limit on the years of man. We start to see that play out after the flood as mankind lives less and less years uh, until we get uh, a little further here in the Old Testament. And so that's an important point to see, the effects of sin and uh, how our bodies were changing even after the flood. We didn't live 900 years. Now we definitely do not live 900 years uh, as we see just in the world around us today. Uh, And we started to see this uh, really rapidly change after the flood account. So that's an important point to point out. Uh, Then also here at the end of the chapter, we see uh, the beginning of the story of Abram and who becomes Abraham and his wife, Sarai, who then later changes to Sarah. And we see the formation of that account. And that's important because it's going to set the foundation and it's really the introduction, if you will, for Genesis chapter 12. We're really going to get into the call of Abram who becomes Abraham. So I hope you've been challenged this week with some different thoughts on these passages and that you'll join us next time as we begin the story of Abraham. Join us next time for another episode of From the Beginning here on Heaven We're Thinking.